Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are here to talk Reacher, the new Amazon Prime TV show. Well, I say new. It's been a couple of months now. Uh, but we had other stuff to record is the best I'm going to do. <laughs> and we had other things going on in our life, so... Oh, no, no, exactly. And so how we're going to do this is we're going to talk about uh, the movie. We're going to talk about the movie. Oh, my God, the series this week. (laughs) And next week, we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about a fascinating interview that the lead actor did about the show. And we're going to talk about where we would like to see season two go after watching this. So uh, should be a ton of fun. Yeah, Uh, and I watching reading two other of the novels exactly so yeah and that's that's what i'm saying like we're gonna have a perfect chance to talk about what they should adapt next yeah uh and that i think we might have some differing opinions on that i guess we'll see Uh, we'll see we'll see what we end up decide coming where we end up coming down on what what they should do next so first off coming in we've each read a bunch of the reacher novels Right, uh, we've eat, but I think more crucially than that, we are both. Is it is it excessive to say super fans of the movie Jack Reacher? I can watch it anytime. Put it yeah. on and still watch it from beginning to end. Like literally, three times in my life, I've been in a hotel room and I've turned on the TV, and like. Jack Reacher was at some point of being completed. And I'm like, well, I'll just watch the rest of Reacher then. <laughs> you know, I'll just... I think it's an unimpeachably great movie. Yeah. I think it's I think it is perfect from beginning to end. I think it is a masterpiece of filmmaking. I think Tom Cruise is perfect in that version of the part. So Yeah, that's that's yeah. always been strange. The strange thing that we say is that. He in no way at all Fits. looks like the description of Reacher nope. in the novels. Not n- in, well, I mean, the thing is, and I don't know if uh, Lee Child has ever said this, but when you read a description of Jack Reacher, he is describing the actor Clint Walker. And if you don't know who Clint Walker is, he was uh, the big guy. He was, what was his Western called? Cheyenne or... Whatever the, he had a long running Western TV show and he was the big guy in the movie, the dirty dozen. But if you go and Google Clint Walker, you'll be like, Oh, I'm looking at a picture of Jack Reacher. Like everything about how Jack Reacher described is Clint Walker. And cause Clint Walker was just this giant of a man who, unlike a Andre, the giant situation or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar situation, it was like he wasn't stretched out. He wasn't lanky. He was just like, take a six foot tall, like strongly built man and now increase that 20%. Yeah. Right? In every way. So he was just bigger in every conceivable way by like 15, 20% than a normal, like big muscular man. So he looked completely, perfectly well proportioned. He was just huge. Yeah. And that's Clint Walker, and that's what Jack Reacher is in the books. And you can never, like, there's only one Clint Walker. You're never going to find another guy who looks like that. But basically, you can't get further from that than Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah. In terms of how he looks. Yeah. 
Whereas, I mean, that's, that's what's always so interesting, right? It's, Mm. it's the look thing. It's, but in every other way, he sells it. Oh, he sells it just as a, as a performer. The man's such a brilliant performer. Of course he sells it. But, and I think we'll, we'll, this is something that worth talking about on the show. Whereas Jack Reacher as played by Tom Cruise and as suggested in the books uh, is a man who is like so devoted to a kind of perfection, right? And that is how he sees himself that he, uh, that as he say, it almost looks like autism, how focused he is. And that is how, that is how Tom Cruise plays it. Now, how Reacher is played in the TV show is this is an autistic person. That is how this actor plays it. That he is autistic. He has his focus. Not only does he have a focus that comes from autism, but he has a problem connecting with human emotion. That seems to be almost autistic on the show. Yeah, well, when I was reading the two books that I just finished reading, I read two of the novels. Oh, I, I took them from your place. Killing um, Wanted Man, and what was the other one? Um, oh, right. The one that's set in the snowy town. Oh. No, that's Wanted Man. No, Wanted Man's the one where he's <clears throat> where he gets picked up as a hitchhiker. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Where he's hitchhiking, and it's not a good book. Wanted Man is not a good book. It's it's one of the books that he started without knowing how he was going to end. Or it's like he had a great idea for an opening of a book, and he just went for it. And then it's like, but then when he figured out what was going on, the first half of the book makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, well, it's still a good read. No, I mean it's a it's a fun read, but it's like it's a fun read where when you get to the end, if you think about the start, you're like, oh wait, no, nothing that made sense happened. <laughs> Sorry, nothing that happened made sense. Okay, so that's the Nebraska. Wanted Man is the Nebraska town. No, Wanted Man is the one with the, where he's hitchhiking. I don't remember the title of um, the one set in a Nebraska town in the middle of a blizzard, and his bus breaks down, and he gets trapped. And there's like a guy who's uh, going to kill this old lady because she witnessed a drug deal. That's that's the other one. That's not a wanted most wanted man. A wanted man. That's the other one. Do I remember the title? No, but you can look it up while I'm talking if you want. Yeah, to. I'm looking it up. Okay. You've got the, but anyway, so yeah, um, you've recently read them. And the point you were making is, like, how do you read the autism question when you read those two books? Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, 61 hours. 61 hours. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's the other that one. That was killing me. All right. Thank you. Yeah, 61 hours. Yeah, that's a good book. That's a damn good book. That's a damn good book. I wanted It's one of my favorites. Yeah, in fact. I really liked it. Okay, so, but the thing is, right, is that there are bunches of things in there that I went, yeah, okay, but it would have to be really high functioning. Oh, absolutely. Okay, and the other thing is that he himself understands that he doesn't really you know understand how other people feel yeah 
like he does know feelings. And like when I started to think about this in terms of looking at like his, his ability with numbers. Yeah. Like he can, he can do anything with numbers. He's like, you know, a military form of, um, the, uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, the other Tom Cruise movie with Dustin Hoffman. Not oh, Rain Dustin. Man. Yes, Rain, Rain Man. Man right? About autism. <laughs> yeah, about autism in full. Now yeah. he has, no, he does not have all of. All any, of the same symptoms. All of the same symptoms. But I started to think about this as I'm reading, because in both of these novels, there are things that you can say, yeah, really high functioning Asperger's. Yeah, what that we, is, that is, I think. And the funny part about Lee Child is, he didn't know that's what he was writing, making me wonder if Lee Child is a high-functioning Asperger's case. Well, who knows? I mean, all I know about Lee Child is when I was when he did the book called Never Go Back. Yeah. About his father. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he's talking about his own background, and I'm going, oh, it sounds like mine. <laughs> In terms of the father <laughs> and really similar and childhoods here. Yeah, very similar childhoods. But what, okay, what I'm going to say, because the, you had brought this up yeah. and I hadn't really thought about it as I'm watching it. And then when I'm reading the books and I'm going, okay. And he, the thing that bothers people about Reacher is that he doesn't have a home. Yeah. He has no place that he calls home. There's no place to go to. He just moves around. He doesn't even have a passport. He moves around. He collects his pension. Uh, he stays at, in uh, motels. He get, yeah. takes on odd jobs for money in addition to the pension. Anything where he won't have to, you know, <laughs> anything where he won't have to give them his social security number, he'll do. Right, because he does have a social security number. Of course number. he does. He just doesn't want to give it to anybody because that would make him traceable. Yeah. And, and being so untraceable is his whole thing. He doesn't well it's not that isn't but when you read the two books that i just finished reading and yeah. i marked them up and then i forgot to bring them down for this <laughs> but we'll do that for next no, time we're going to be talking about books next week so it's fine to yeah. talk about it next so week. it's fine we'll talk about the books next week but in terms of the choice made to make him as i say high functioning aspers i can think of somebody i know who is high 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 functioning and can interact and everything else but yeah there's 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 some little thing that is not quite there but what he talks about in the books is his going from place to place and he says well that's all i ever did yeah he said well didn't you have a no my home was from base to base Mm -hmm. And so consequently, this is what he is used to, and this is what he is accompanied. And he hates change. And the irony, of course, for the character is that yeah. his life is constant change. The change he can't give up is constant change and never knowing where you're going to be next month. Yes, that's exactly it. And he can get along easily enough with people because he learned to because he went from school to school. Yeah. So he was constantly meeting new people. Yeah, and the interesting thing that I had, I guess, because one of them, I think I had not read, I don't know if it was 61 Hours or it was one wanted of them man. I hadn't quite read before. A Wanted Man, I think I hadn't read before. Okay. 
okay and um oh yes okay yeah i'm beginning to separate the two out okay, okay <laughs> um <laughs> i'm beginning to say that's the uh, fake cia guy um yep. okay so but what happens is it's not only does he never settle he can get along with people but in that one the the not 61 hours but a wanted man she asks him like because the woman that he's traveling with can't just can't understand how he can do this he he buys new clothes and throws out his old ones yeah you know decides when he needs new shoes buys new shoes and throws out the old ones like he he rents a hotel room for an hour so that he can before but just before the the cleaning people go sure. in show yeah. up like he he just rents it for an hour and it's cash and the guy pockets it he goes in he showers he changes and he does all of that stuff and he gets back on the road he travels, yeah. he travels with a toothbrush mm -hmm. you know and so he doesn't even have a backpack which really stuns people yeah he says so he starts sort of talking about that but she looks into him and somebody finds oh maybe it's in the nebraska i don't care I, it's it does not important for the story you're telling keep going no, that he that he ends ended up he it turned out he was in a study for children yeah and they i guess thought there was something kind of wrong with him because he didn't react when there were these scary things yeah, happening he didn't, uh, in a fight or flight response he always yeah. went straight for fight he always went straight for fight and <clears throat> so she says yeah but and so of course they think that that's abnormal his explanation is well no i learned by the time i was five years old she says you were carrying a switchblade she said he said yeah i learned by the time i was five six years old that i had to fight yeah and that was all there was to it so fighting is his normal mode and he will always therefore fight so by the time he saw that they put him in that study for yeah. children yeah he had no flight mode he just pulled out his pulled his out his switchblade and went to go for as a yeah. child about 10 at the time yeah and then there were other little things um focusing on and you can argue like focusing on letters as well like one of the big things was can you say a sentence for one minute or two minutes one minute without ever using the letter a yes and of course everyone knows it's an old uh, bar trick of course yeah, but uh, an old barbet trick. But you know, it's not something who haven't thought about it can easily do. Well, and most people don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, you can speak for fifteen minutes and be completely coherent, uh, and everyone is understanding what you're saying without ever using the letter A quite easily. And people listening to this, can you figure out the trick to uh, speak? Not, we're no, we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you what it is. Uh, you'll have to read the book, A Most a Wanted Man, if you want to hear the answer. Or you can just tell <laughs> but, us if you figured it out. Yeah, but anyway, it, it, it is fascinating. There are certainly indications that would make high-functioning autism. Yeah. Uh, definitely. A logical diagnosis for yeah, Jack Reacher. Yeah, because you can see... Because it doesn't get explained, but in this version of Reacher that we're talking about, 
Yeah. Yes, yeah. you see the whole business with his with his parents mm-hmm. and the whole business with the school and getting into trouble and not being able to back down. Yep. Like he's almost not able. I think the, the flashbacks were very good. I, I thought the, the flashbacks, flashbacks did a great job. Yeah, of just giving him this know that once he is set on a path, he can't change. And that is where, yeah, okay, I can see that that being right um a a way of someone who is mildly it's not ocd but mildly mildly autistic yeah would get into okay and it works for him and it worked for him as a lot you know and then they say well yeah but you went into the military he never particularly liked it well no but that was the logical thing to do yeah. for him because that meant he was still traveling. And then one day he constant couldn't. traveling people who aren't going to give him hassle him about his need to have everything perfectly squared away. Yeah. And he chose to go into law enforcement within the uh, military because fundamentally he doesn't like, he doesn't like bullies and he doesn't like corruption. And he doesn't like mess. Yes. And so, I mean, the story of his, we don't get that in the killing, killing fields, right? But the story about how his, yeah, the killing floor, how his, um, how his desk got banged up. Yes. That'll come up later. That's such a good story. Yeah. It's such a good story. The dent in his desk. Yeah. Yeah. There's a dent in his desk and it is, and he is willing to take the consequences for doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and he that's the thing. And he that. has this very rigid sense of morality. Yes. That is, that frequently coincides with laws, but often does not come to coincide with laws. When it does, then it looks like it's going to work. That's fine. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. It's, it, well, I for mean, him, but and it, he is, and this is, I think that's something that the show portrays really well yeah. is he lives in a world of absolute moral certainty. Yeah. Just 100%. Like, there is never hesitation with Jack Reacher about what the right thing to do is. He just knows. And that is at the core of his character. And this is why, and this is why we are attracted to this character. Yes. This is why we like him. If you have, if you have been listening to us now for three years, pushing on um you'll know that we have that i have more grayness in me but i have uh, more grayness too but yeah uh, then then reacher but boy it's it's a it's like burke it's a beautiful fantasy of the world of moral clarity (laughs) yeah a beautiful fantasy where yeah now and but he only deals with small problems every now and then a big one comes across his desk when he's working he has to deal with it well it's funny because um the thing that uh never go back the jack reacher book um the the movie completely changed what it's about because the book it's it's so like he gets involved in such a ridiculously high stakes thing where like the the secretary of state is involved in the yeah situation you're like oh wow this is very high stakes reacher and it comes at the last minute 
you know? And I mean, you understand it has to be a big deal because of the lengths they have gone to to cover it up. But at the same time, you're not expecting a Jack Reacher to book be uh, suddenly like, oh yeah, the Secretary of State is killing people to cover up his heroin addiction. You know, like just <laughs> not something you expect to see in a Jack Reacher book. No. Uh, but yes, and that's why the movie, I think, goes kind of off the rails, the movie version. But uh, that's something we'll talk about later. Yeah, we'll talk about that much later. Yeah. No, it's interesting now. I can't remember. The last one I have read, that's the surprise, is the one where he goes back to his hometown. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. You? Oh. Uh, okay, well, all right. So something for us to do in the future. So the specific book being uh, adapted by this uh, season of television is Killing Floor, the first Jack Reacher novel. And I think that that was, that's actually a good choice. Oh, it is. I think it really was. You know, let's just start at the beginning. It is possible to make this thing go forever. Yes. They could just run this and run this and run this as long as that actor wants to do it. Yeah. You know, as long as he wants to do it, they can keep running this and we'll keep watching. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. And I, before we get into it, because we're, we're going to complain about stuff. We're going to talk about stuff we like. We're also going to complain about stuff. I just want to make it clear that I had a great time watching this season of television. Yep. I genuinely enjoyed it. I think it's a great ride. I think it moves really well. But if I have an issue with it, there is what I would call, like, it doesn't feel like essential viewing. And there are no, there are none of the big, like, stand out moments and scenes you want like it is it is functional it is action that works it is thriller stuff that works but it's not like there's a moment in this series of episodes where you're like oh wow i have to tell everyone about that scene or oh wow you've got to watch it because this thing happens in it it is it is functional in every way it comes in it gets the job done it goes home but it it does not feel like essential viewing do you see what i'm saying i well i can understand that right and it's it is um i can understand saying that because what i said to you before we started i'm going i did not go and rewatch it before today <laughs> so i wanted to see how much i would re remember right and i think that's smart it it left me no you know these these decisions you have that sort of more acute memory than I do. I do, yeah. Uh, for for visual. Oh, yeah, um, for movies, absolutely. I've always been yeah. like that. And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm going, uh, but as I'm thinking about it, yeah, scenes are coming back. I don't know that in some ways it's any different from the book in the sense that like, uh, if you were thinking about the book and you were going to adapt the book, there aren't a lot of big standout moments. Standout moments in the book. I think those come later on yeah. in his later books and things. But I'd have to go back. I did not go back and read the novel again. Um, and I do remember what it was about. So I would say that the it's true 
closer to the book, like that, in other words, you're making a TV series and hopefully, well, everybody's watched it. It's been sitting on num in the top 10 viewer viewership in Canada on Netscape or Net, uh, no, no, on Prime. Prime on Prime, right? Yeah. Forever. Oh, people love the show. And it's it is a wonderful show, and you can complain about that sort of, but he's kind of a nice guy. Yeah. And he does the right thing and he solves the problem. And maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm just happier with this than I am with, you know, um as much as I had we all like okay here's what it comes down to we all like bosch okay we yes. all like bosch like, yeah but it can be a bit much <laughs> yes like it's it's bosch doesn't want to at the end of the day they want to do very different things because i thought of this as a replacement for bosch on amazon prime because bosch was wrapping up but then it turns out they just kept doing bosch they just ended bosch because after season seven you have to like renegotiate everyone's contracts yeah. like legally because of weirdly Money. old Testament law. After every seven years, you have to renegotiate everybody's contracts. That's yeah. a true fact that I, we've mentioned before that this whole yeah. seven year thing in uh, contracts comes straight from the Bible. Uh, <laughs> it does. It's just, they've kept it going for thousands of years. And yeah. seven years is how long a contract can run. And so at the end of season seven, you have to renegotiate everyone's contracts. And for Bosch, it was just easier to just start doing a new show. Yeah. And basically they say to, like, they fire everybody, you know, and they say to Bosch, they say to, you know, Titus Welliver, here's the deal. Um, you're not going to get the normal raise for being in season eight of a show. But now basically you own 15% of the show. Yeah. Right, and then they hire the daughter as a full as a full star of the show instead of a supporting person, and they bring on you know Chandler as a full member of the show instead of a supporting person, and then the people who were on Bosch before will get paid a decent amount of money to do cameos from time to time. Yeah, have you been watching Bosch Legacy? No, I haven't yet. Okay, well the two cops, like the two yeah. old cops, are in an episode, you know. So it's like they'll they'll check in on everybody, I assume, from time to time, but basically. Whole new cast and only three cast members this time. And it's honestly, it's going fine. Yeah. Like, I've enjoyed the first four episodes. It's continuing directly from the events of season seven. Like they are keeping that going. And it's very much dealing with the implications of that. It's just, he's not a cop anymore. Yeah. And, real, real and, but in, and he is, he is believably Bosch. Oh yeah. He's fantastic. Um, Titus Welliver is amazing. And uh, it's, but it's, it is a, it's a different thing as I'm watching, like there's this implacability in the books. Yeah. He is always thinking this is what he does. He is always a policeman. Yeah. He's always military police, even when he is in civilian life. And he knows when things don't fit because he sees the world differently than everybody else does. He has no attachments. I think in, in, in the book, because the more I thought about it, I, I haven't found anything that would really dissuade one if, if the actor, and we're, I haven't listened to the podcast yet, 
yeah. uh, the discussion with the actor who plays Jack Reacher. Um, I will listen to that before we do the, the next episode on Reacher. Um, but if that choice, I don't know who would have made that choice. Don't tell me. I want to listen to the podcast. Of course. I won't. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Don't worry. Don't spoil. And so I, it's, it's implacable. But the two books that I just reread. Yeah. Right. Don't dissuade me that that is a distinct possibility. Yeah. Um, and that he can function well enough. It's just that when it comes to specific things, like it's not like he doesn't understand that there is a sexual cue. He just is not interested. It doesn't fit into what he is doing. Yep. Right. And at least he found blind Blake, right? <laughs> sort of. Because um, that's why he ended up in Margrave, Georgia. Right. Well, what's just interesting here, what I'll say is, and I want to, I want to make this point about Bosch, right? And the thing is, in an uncannily large number of ways, they are the same character, right down to both loving jazz. Yes. Like, both of them, they, they even have the same quirk. They're Blue both military jazz. guys, one, yeah. a, one a military policeman, one a special forces guy, and they're both classic blues, sorry, I said jazz, you're right, classic blues lovers, right? Like old time blues lovers. And the only thing that separates these two characters is that one of them has connections and the other one doesn't. Yeah. But they're yeah. basically the same guy. One of them has connections, one of them doesn't. And fundamentally, um, they both are these men who live in these unbelievably corrupt worlds where like everything is corrupt and the system doesn't work and the bad guys get to do whatever they want. And the difference at its core between Bosch and Reacher is Reacher says that there is an easy answer to this problem. <laughs> Just go and shoot some people. Whereas Bosch, while he will shoot some people from time to time, he doesn't think that that's going to solve anything. But here is, yeah. here's, yeah, well, it's not, it's not even that. He, because for Jack Reacher, he doesn't even believe that he can change the system. No, but he's saying, right? but he deals with smaller Whereas, scale issues than Bosch does. Yes. And Bosch wants to change the system. Yeah, jo Bosch, Bosch wants to fix, thing, fix things and yeah. Jack Reacher just comes in. He's a cowboy. He comes into the town that's run by a corrupt party boss. Yeah. And then he kills all the bad people and then he rides off into the sunset. Yes, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's the man. With no, no, he is the man with no name. You know, he is. It's no. It's not really any different from the kind of job Clint Eastwood used to play, or yes, Clint Walker used to play. Yeah. This is a western, and sixty-one hours is one of the best examples of it as a western. Yeah, like sixty-one hours is like the oh. the perfect. I mean, the Killing Floor is too, but I mean, Killing Floor has got because it's about his brother being murdered. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more to this one. Whereas 61 hours is just he a stranger rides into town when there's bad tidings afoot and we just go from there. Yeah. And it, it is it is interesting. And the other thing that is noticeable is Jack Reacher doesn't really he doesn't carry a gun. Nope. He doesn't want to have anything really to do with guns, except when he has to. When he has he's to he has a, get a gun. He's not a good sniper. He, you know, as he says, he can win a competition when he focuses. Yep. 
because he has, but he doesn't like it. It's there yeah. isn't enough movement in that for him. That's what I would say. Well, Jack Reacher always has to, you're right. Jack Reacher always has to be doing something and yes. snipers have to lie there for days. Personal yes. is a great book about that. It's about the time a sniper wants to kill Jack Reacher. It's a really good book. And yeah. at the core of it is like the sniper's, it talks a lot about the sniper's mindset. Yeah. Right. About how you have to have this whole ability to be essentially an object for days on end to do the job right. And that's not something Jack Reacher could have ever do. The mechanical shooting is fine. The yes. act of sniping is something he just couldn't do. Yeah, and he doesn't want to do. No, he has and no passion I, for it. And that is, again, because he only is violent when it is necessary. Oh, yeah. If yeah, somebody, like, yeah you hear the stories thing. about like him being sent to murder people for the government, and he's like, yeah, that's the job. Yeah. <laughs> that's the job, but he doesn't go looking for it. He is not the kind of guys we talked about in Wise Guy as being guys who are addicted to the thrill. Yeah. That's no. just not who Jack Reacher is. No, and, and you wonder if, if there's anything that gives Jack Reacher a thrill. I know, right? And you watch this... Honestly, watch these eight episodes and try to, like, try to pick out a time where you feel like Jack Reacher is fundamentally into anything he does. Yeah, except for his music, I guess. Maybe his music? Maybe. Like, no, but know. there's a sex scene where you're like, okay, well, Jack Reacher is definitely having sex with a woman, but does he care? Does he fundamentally Because <laughs> he's going to walk out. Yeah, he's he knows he's going to walk out because there's no, and fundamentally, he has no emotional connection, even when there's a sex scene with his quote-unquote love interest. Yeah. and Fundamentally, in the character is just doing it because, yeah. He, I mean, physically, he enjoys sex. She wants it. But is there anything more to it to him? And you really feel like there isn't. Yeah. And I would say when you get the fact that he moves around all the time, like I think about all of the other, that's yeah. this thing, this, this idea of his being high-functioning autistic, really, um, it reshifts some things because I've been thinking about it. That's why I took the two books and decided to read them with that um, in mind, with that in mind and see whether there was anything that really disproved it. Well, he gets along enough with people. Um, yeah. He does understand other people's emotions and drives. He yeah. just doesn't seem to have them himself. But, and I would say he is, well, the, and that is the point I would make based on yeah. how uh, the guy plays it is he now he understands other people's emotions and drives as a someone who studies other people yeah not as someone who feels it himself yeah and that's and he 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 has in one place or another so this like when you watch this like i think it was a good job of the of the book yeah well, I, like, I think I, it is well i mean the just, key moments they've changed some stuff here and there and we'll talk about what they changed next week but like yeah. the fundamental, the idea that there's a big counterfeiting operation going on and his brother in the Secret Service caught into it and his brother got murdered and now he's going to clean the situation up. The fundamentals of the story are the same and they're very good. Yeah. But like it's what we care about are these character moments, right? Yeah. We character care about like what does this say about people? And I think fundamentally in there, like the mystery is fine. 
but we knew the mystery going in because we read the book. So we want to focus on, well, how is it being played? Yeah. And that's what I find most interesting about it is like, I'm less interested in the detective work that Reacher is doing than I am with the, how is Reacher connecting with people? Yeah. And that, but that's us, right? Because us. I think yeah. a lot of people have watched, would have started to watch it because after all, Tom Cruise did the two Reacher movies. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. I mean, and for whatever you want to say, how far they go from the movies, this show exists because Tom Cruise made a Jack Reacher movie and he increased the viability of the character. Yeah. Like the character I, is now a sellable brand and this is an example of that. And, and Tom Cruise doesn't have any problem with this portrayal. Oh no, I'm sure not. I mean, no. he's, he's making plenty of money off of it because, you know, his, it's, they get a check off of, you know, Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner's company still having the rights to it. Like he's not going to let those rights go, but he will oversee the show in an, inc I have to assume a completely hands-off way. Yeah. And just that, and, and I would, I would say that he's not, uh, by the way, in many ways, he's the opposite of, um, oh God, uh, this, this would be a much more impressive observation if I could have immediately come up with the name of the actor I want to talk about. Um, you know, You're So Vain. The guy that the song You're So Vain is about. Warren Beatty? Warren Beatty, thank you. <laughs> and I know that me bringing up You're So Vain as a way to get into Warren Beatty is a weird way, but it works for me and it worked for her, so I stand by that. I, I knew exactly who he was talking about. Of course, about. It's You're So Vain. It's, it's about Warren Beatty. Uh, a man so vain that on uh, the 30th anniversary of the song you're so vain, you probably think of the songs about you, you know, uh, said in an interview. I think we all know the songs about me. <laughs> well, if it wasn't, it is now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, but the point I was getting at is, so um, he is the opposite of Tom Cruise in the sense that back in, he wanted to make a um, Dick Tracy movie. And he made a Dick Tracy movie, right? And then everybody's like, okay, well, let's do another Dick Tracy movie. And he's like, I don't really feel like it. And then everyone's like, okay, well, if you don't really feel like it, will you let us make another Dick Tracy movie? And he's like, nope, I'm just sitting on the rights. I'm just going to sit here and hold on to the rights. And to the point where it's like he had this obligation where after 20 years he had to do something with Dick Tracy or he would lose the rights. Like he can't just keep paying the option every year. He actually has to make something or he's hurting the brand's viability and so he did this ridiculous thing where for the fx network or what amc he did like a 30 minute tv special about the history of dick tracy but in it he put on the costume and said hi i'm dick tracy so legally he had appeared at dick tracy in a tv show so they couldn't say he wasn't continuing to exercise the rights and so essentially there have been no dick tracy products for 35 years now because of his jealously guarding, right, what he thinks is a thing he owns. And Tom Cruise, by the way, could have done that with Jack Reacher. He's got enough money that he could just sit on those rights. But he was like, no, let somebody else be Jack Reacher. I don't, I'm not getting my ego wrapped up in this character I played one time. So, yeah, it's like Tom Cruise was very cool about this. Oh, in yeah. a way that, you know, Warren Beatty profoundly was not. Yes. And... Um... Yeah, it it is it is an interesting. I 
you know, it's, it's an interesting, everything about that is interesting. Yeah. It put Tom Cruise in a much better, a very good light. light. Yeah. As I say, he doesn't have that ego around what he does. He understands that what he does is what he does. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't want to do it, let somebody else do it. And yeah, this, you gotta respect that. Yeah. And this is um, a really good example. Like I'm, I, I, I did enjoy it as I watched it. Yeah. It just didn't, doesn't. Well, and I think that's the problem. And as I said, ephemerality, you know, Mm. because there aren't these amazing moments, like think about each season of Better Call Saul and how there's the moments in those seasons that are so powerful that you can't get them out of your head. But wait a sec though. Here's, here's the problem. Okay. Is that there are loads and loads and loads of us who have read these books. Yeah. Right? And you cannot go far afield. And yeah. if we're right, and like, and I just finished watching those two books, and the way he handles everything in those books, and when I start thinking about some of the other books, right? right. The way Reacher behaves and the way he he handles all of those things is very matter-of-factly there is a problem i am going to solve this problem and i am not leaving until i have solved this yeah. and that is what we love about is, him. and that is him he's in that sense he's not like you know the man with no name who no. just comes in and kills everybody no this guy has a there are always problems there but he's always one step ahead because he's always up against people who want to believe that somehow or another the system is still good. We've talked about this in other areas. Yeah. Reacher knows that the system is corrupt to the core and you can't change the system itself because it is so entrenched. You can yeah. only yeah. take little parts of it away. You can chip away at the edges. You chip away at the edges. If every now and then you get somewhere close to the middle, that's very nice, but there'll be somebody to take their place. So he yeah. does what he does. And that's so different than Better Call Saul with, yeah. or, or Breaking Bad, which are completely out of the mind of. Yeah, men. yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. And, and he always, and, and you know, right. doing Breaking Bad, he would say, you know, yeah, I always wondered what would happen if I went off the rails. <laughs> Right. And so, but I'm never going to go off the rails. So I got to write a story about a man who does go off the rails is basically what he said. You're right. That I mean, okay. I I will agree with you that a Jack Reacher TV show was never going to be morally complex. Like that's just, it's just not what the character is for. Okay. And I, I don't even think I'm really disappointed by that, but within the lack of moral complexity, there is a way to build up to scenes and moments that the show just never does. And I'm not going to say it's perfunctory because that's, that is obviously an insult to say something is perfunctory and sampling because it's not, it is well-made, but they're not. It's implacable. It is, but I'm just saying that what. No tension. There's no tension. Yes. That's what I'm getting at because here's the thing. I'm watching the movie Jack Reacher. I know Jack Reacher is going to win. That's not a problem. But you know what they managed to do? Come up with ways to make both um, uh, Werner Herzog, right? And 
Werner Herzog's sniper so menacing that you you buy the terrifying the threat against Jack Reacher. And this show never sells the threat. I mean, even though the guys in this show are doing horrific things, right? They never sell the threat. And I think a lot of that is okay. the casting of the lead villain. Yeah, who played the lead villain? Just just the, the guy who's the son of the mayor. You just don't, he's not no, scary. He was such a twit. He was he's a twit. He's not yeah. scary. No. And yeah, because okay. he's not scary, the show Never. just, it doesn't have, it doesn't rise to the next level. Yes, because that guy is not, as you say, Werner Herzog. Movie is terrifying. Is, ter- is terrifying. There's no question of that. And maybe they can. I mean, it's it's so funny what, I mean, when I just read the one 61 hours, right? Yeah. And I kind of figured out who did it earlier. Relatively, yeah. But it was that that villain was more terrifying. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some some of these books i it goes to i'd have to go back and read the killing floor and see well we're going to do that for next week right yeah i yeah i'm trying to think do i have a copy of it upstairs i'll I'll buy you a copy if you don't don't worry about it i can get it yeah i'll just i'll just send it to you it's fine it's why god invented amazon yeah like the whole reason to you know one of the reasons they did this show was so that people like me would then go to Amazon and buy the books. So congratulations, Jeff Bezos, you pulled it off. Oh, sure. Like this, but the movie is, it follows. Yeah, no, I think you've hit on what the problem is. It's not the general overall. It's that they didn't hire someone who could be a good enough, scary enough. Yeah implacable enough villain and you can and if they try to say uh oh well there's there's not enough scenes in the books to give him a chance to shine then write some new scenes that's what the movie did and i don't think there's like the like that fantastic sequence like the whole quarry gunfight and fist fight at the end of jack reacher that's all new that's all completely new for the movie but it's a fantastic ending and it works for all the characters yeah and and it's yes, and it's not so so net now we're looking at potentially what might be a minor flaw in the book, because in the books you fit in what you need to fit in to make the villains more threatening. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like well in the that. books, like the in the books, I think the I think he kills the the son in the, the house fight or something, and like the the dad, the mayor, uh, not the, the mayor, the the guy who runs the company never gets killed in the books. Like he's there for the end thing, as I recall. And the son just gets killed earlier. Yeah. And they changed that. And by the way, it's too bad because I was really enjoying Curry Graham on the show. I think he <laughs> dies too early. <laughs> but I guess they didn't need both uh, Curry Graham and uh, Jack Dalton from MacGyver, who, you know, I will always think of him as. Yeah, well, Jack Dalton is Jack Dalton. Well, just, yeah. Anyway, a wonderful I mean, character, MacGyver. But he was on CSI for so long. Yeah. 
portrayal. His oh, no, no, no. Original MacGyver. Original MacGyver. Oh, the original MacGyver. Yeah, he plays the mayor in this. That's right. Yeah, he plays the mayor in this. Fun fact, uh, they loved their chemistry so much in the first season that after, because he appeared in the first uh, in the first season and he gets killed off in that first season, but like, you know, by crashing into an ocean. And so they said to the actor, and it's Bruce McGill is the actor I'm talking about in case that wasn't clear. And so they said to the actor, you know, we love your chemistry with Richard Dean Anderson, right? We We adore the two of you together. We think you're dynamite on screen. And Richard Dean Anderson would be fine not having to be in every scene of every episode. <laughs> so if, and he's, and so they said, if you're willing to, the show is going to become MacGyver and Dalton and like, you'll be the co-stars of the show. And he said no to that. Oh my God. He's just like, no, I'll come back as many times as you want as a guest star, but I don't want to commit to a TV show. But yeah. So when the new MacGyver made it MacGyver and Dalton, that was actually the original plan of the show MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> like because because you need that interplay and yeah they, they did a great job but anyway he plays the mayor in this and he's suitably threatening but i love seeing curry graham i'm just a big fan of curry graham who plays yeah. the guy who's running the company who's got the evil son yeah. and it's like give him a bunch more scenes to be evil like all of the evil stuff he does and this is just a problem with the show it all happens off camera and we get told about it like, think about the scene in the Jack Reacher movie where the guy has has killed, you know, the guy couldn't get in touch with, uh, couldn't get in touch with Werner Herzog, so he sends some guys to beat up Jack Reacher, and Jack Reacher beat them all up, and he's like, I'll solve this by killing the guy I hired so he can't tell anybody that I hired him. And then they're sitting there and they're saying, you screwed this up badly. If you want to keep being alive and working for us, prove to us that you have what it takes. Oh, that was a horrible... I want, you to, I want you to bite off your thumb. Oh, that was just horrible. I know. It's this nightmare of a scene that, like, you can still picture every moment of. Oh, just, just don't. It's... I mean, how long ago has it been since you watched the... You can still remember the first time you saw that scene in the theater. And there's nothing on that level in the entire eight episodes of the show. Yeah, so you don't have what you're you saying. You don't have the, the villain. Stakes aren't the villain isn't the stakes aren't the high. The stakes enough aren't there. high enough. The villains aren't scary enough. Yeah, but and going back, that, well, look at yeah, but and that's what they need to fix for next time. You need the villains to be terrifying a if little, you want to sell this show. Yeah, and, but and it, just, I, it doesn't. I'm still going, going, and telling you that it has remained in the top 10 forever. Oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it it's not a good show. Fun. It's a crowd pleaser. Well, no, and, it, and that comes back to it versus Bosch. It's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Bosch isn't a crowd pleaser. Like, no, you never get Bosch. to the end of a season of Bosch thinking, yay, I'm happy about the state of the world. Just like the never, you never get to the end of a season of Better Call Saul thinking the world's a good place, Yeah. right? But yeah. Better Call Saul understands the necessity of having a fantastic villain. That's what Lalo is. He's one of the great TV villains. He's fantastic, right? He's just this unbelievably good villain because they give him these moments of being terrifying. Yeah. Right? They find a way to make him terrifying. And I mean, we can go into how they make, if we ever talk about Better Call Saul, we'll talk about how they generate one of the greatest villains the show has ever had, which by the way, 
Breaking Bad. I love the last season. Todd is no Lalo. You know? <laughs> Todd and the Nazis are no Lalo. And that's oh, that one of the reasons. Vince Gilligan got better at it when he did better. Well, that's my point. That's, that's why. You ask me why, uh, you know, why Better Call Saul is a much better show than Breaking Bad ever was. There's a lot of reasons. One of them is that Lalo is a much better villain than Todd and the Nazis. And it's as simple as that. Because when they lost Gus Fring, they didn't have anything to replace him with. Yes, and you're like, well, they replace him with Walt as the villain now. They weren't willing to commit to Walt being the villain now, though. Yeah. If that last season, it's it's a good season. It's not a great season because you need another villain on that level or you need Walt to be the villain. And they weren't willing to commit to Walt. Walt's the villain now. Jesse's the hero now. Yeah. And because they didn't commit to that, it's not as satisfying as ending as it should have been. Because yes, they're like, oh, Walt's the villain enhanced the hero. Else. And well, I, but we are, but we we're talking about something else, but we're not because we're talking about why the show isn't as satisfying to us as it is to the general public. Yeah, and and um, it, it I'm as you say, as you say though, I'm willing to watch this one through. I think I'm, that, I'll be here for every episode of Future yeah. Forever. Just to be clear, okay? Yeah, I'm criticizing, but I'm not going to stop watching it. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, well, we watch Criminal Minds. I mean, for heaven's sakes. And that's oh, all dang. Minds. Oh, so, that's so, true. Ben, Benny is watching it from begin, listening to our podcast from beginning to end and making comments. And I'm going, one of these days when I have some time, like maybe in July, yeah, uh, I'll go back and respond to each of them. Some of them <laughs> are, are okay, but some of them are, no, no, you didn't know. Uh, you I, might I, be missing I'm the point. have to explain to you what we may not have explained in the episode <laughs> properly but here's here's why i said what i said uh yeah. it's just there there is an intentionality behind what we're saying yes and um every now and then we might make little mistakes but uh and we're quite willing but never mind let's go back to here yeah let's go back okay, to here um i don't, think, I don't the the yeah i mean it is I enjoyed it. It didn't stick with me. And what you're doing is telling me, yeah, okay, that's one of the reasons. You don't yeah. have that that complete that that the books doesn't really need because you can fit it in. Oh yeah. And it doesn't matter that things happen because things don't happen off camera in a book. That's my point. Because yeah, like in a book, in you can book. have someone talk about something horrible they saw. And it's like you're there. Yeah. But in a show, you're just watching someone tell you about something horrible they saw. And it's like, and when the accountant, you know, tells Jack Reacher about why he joined up with these guys. Yeah. Like, that's great. Thanks for the story, bro. But this is a TV show. <laughs> you know, don't make us wait how many episodes for a flashback. This is episode two. This is the time to establish how terrifying the villains are. Well, let me put it this way. Okay. Yeah. Normally, I watch things and go, well, yeah, you can always cut stuff out. We're, yeah. We are suggesting that it might have helped if you had added a few things. Absolutely. In, in this. In other words, to set up, as you say, to set up the villain as villainous earlier. 
I'm going to make the argument, and I, you can tell me whether you think I'm wrong or not here. I, like, I don't think this show needed to be eight episodes if they weren't going to add some great moments for the villains. It's not like I'm going to point to one episode and say, I think this is really padded, but generally, I think you could have cut this down to six episodes, no trouble, and people wouldn't have known. Oh, that they I, were I, I, think, I think that in the first episode, I can think of a whole bunch of padding in the first episode. Yeah. And that's, that's where you could have started to see that there was this villain. Yeah. And, and it didn't have to be, you know, that Reacher even learns about this villain at this point, right? No. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can understand what you're saying. And, of course, it doesn't help that we just finished watching and I, well, it'll be up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, around the same time this is up, right? We just finished watching the tensest movie I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Implacable, but implacable in a different way. Oh, completely different way. It doesn't uh, feel like it at all. The tension that, I mean, the villain is so over the top evil. Yeah. And this, the, the tension here is, it's different. Reacher is, like, I found that after I read the two books and then thought about all of this, Killing Floor, yeah. I thought to myself, yeah, you know, yeah, that is, it's Reacher. I could have had him. I could actually see that particular actor in the books. 100%. Okay. I mean, there's a level, as I always say, there's a part of me that's always going to see Clint Walker. Yeah. But I went back and I read, you know, 61 hours after watching the show. And I'm like, I can picture him doing this. No trouble at all. Yeah. yeah no it, trouble at all. I can see that actor doing this job. Yeah. For sure, because this is uh, so clear. Like he just, he, it's just that he's self, no, what's the word I want to say? He is very self-composed. Oh, yeah. Always has he been. He has everything on lock all the time. All the time. For, but, and what those flashbacks, which were really good. Oh, I liked the flashback. Knows is that he was like that even when he was a child. Yeah, he, and that is what is you know really doing the Asperger's thing. Yeah, doing the doing yeah doing the that high functioning Asperger's. Yeah, that and he's always been like this. It's what they used to call it, guys. Now they you know just they they do the uh, autism spectrum, right? Yeah, we have a we have but a we spectrum. Used to call it, yeah. Uh, um, they used to call it uh, uh, Asperger's. Artistic savant and Asperger's and these various classifications of autism we used to have. And now we just say, no, there's a spectrum. Of, autism exists and there is a spectrum of different kinds of, uh, there's a spectrum of different kinds of presentations of autism, yeah. right? Yeah. All the way from nonverbal to people like Jack Reacher who just, have this human connection issue yeah well and yeah and that's that's exactly it you know you're just sort of sitting there going oh okay and so but i mean even then he wants to go but even then when he meets when he's talking to this girl on the phone yeah the woman on the phone who has replaced him yeah and that's in a want to no that's not no that's in 61 hours yeah and so he decides that he's going to go and see her and nothing will stop him from going to go and see her. Like that, that is a running thing. He's going to go to Virginia. And that is a running thing throughout 
um, that the next book that I read mm-hmm. as well, right? He's on his way that. there. That's yeah. he's, he's now on his way there. And guess what? And then, yeah. And then at the and end it, of it, he's on his way there. Yeah. Because he has these over, he's just like, he sets a goal for himself and then it is just about taking each next step forward towards achieving that goal. Yeah. Goal. And what I, and everything else will, uh, there might be some detours along the way, but it but is going to work itself out. Yes. And as I would say, I mean, it's, it's the old, there were always people who were just eccentric. Yeah. Why we have to label them as high functioning Asperger's. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, no, but I mean, and I mean, the fact that there are always been be- these people who are eccentric in these ways just goes to show you that, like, it's not that there is a spike of autism being caused by pollution, blah, blah, blah. No, we're yeah. just, we're just finding words to describe a normal deviation in the way the human brain works. Yeah. A completely, a standard deviate. I said normal, a standard, you know, deviation in the way humans just are. And spoiler alert, always has been have been because how many times do you go back and you look at uh people's biographies and now you're like oh now we have the language to describe this guy yeah you know it's like everything ever written about thomas jefferson now that we know about autism we're like oh okay now i understand thomas jefferson well there's also bipolar disorder oh yeah okay you can go back and look and okay yeah if they were living today they'd be bipolar yep Right. So many people like that. And it's like multiple there are these lenses that help you understand history better when now we can diagnose how these people were. But I will tell you, psychohistory, because that's what it's called, psychological psychohistory. Yeah. Um or something else, because psychohistory sounds like a psycho killer. I know, I know. Okay, so it's not psychotic, but because um a guy Anyway, it doesn't matter who the history of childhood and um, brought this up uh, right from the beginning so that you can actually look at those characters in the past and you use the psychological lens to understand the decisions that they made. Yeah. And you can do the same thing, I hate to say it, with Vladimir Putin. Of course. That you can do that. Now it's specious. And I'm not a psychologist, so therefore I can't ever think, well, no, if you're really, really smart and you've read a lot and you've read a lot of history and you know a whole bunch of stuff, you can make a good guess sometimes. About what uh, is driving these people. What is driving these people? Because sometimes you have to, it gets, it's very difficult. But yeah. yeah. And then there are people like Reacher who are just eccentric now. And I am. And Britain was always the place where everybody loved their eccentrics. Oh God, yeah. And absolutely. I mean, people get enamored of a particular subject, right? Yeah. Why? Why other people make fun of them? I don't know. Just figure out in your own life what is the thing you're. And absolutely, like an expert in and obsessed with, and you want to find everything about. Yeah, and usually there's something for everybody, but with some people, it's, you know, it's not um, what we would call, um, they don't even think of it in that way. So I play this game called Cozy Grove. 
Okay. Uh, there's this game called Cozy Grove, and if people want to check it out, you should buy it. It's it's an amazing piece of work, because it's a cute game about hanging out with ghost bears on an island. But what it's actually about is, it's like dealing with all of these bears, helping all of these bears deal with their tra their trauma in their lives. Right? <laughs> I know oh, it's yeah, it's, it's a real downer. It's it's basically tragedy bears the game. But the reason I bring it up is every single one of these bears like represents a different kind of mental disorder. And they're all treated incredibly like sensitively. Right. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but the, the thing that's most compelling in it, like they're all great stories. Like there's a hoarder bear. Right. And there's, uh, you know, there's plenty of different kinds of low self-esteem bears. There's a bear who, uh, lost the use of her legs and, you know, became incredibly defensive about it mm -hmm. and has trouble letting, accepting and can't accept help because she can't see herself, you know, she doesn't understand how to live with her disability because she, because she thinks that'll let the disability define her mm -hmm. and she refuses to do that. And it's all well done. But one of the most compelling stories is the bear who has, who is autistic. And so your end goal is to fix these bears' dramas and have them, uh, their, have them come to terms with their past and deal with their mental issues and move on and become golden and move on. And there's one bear you can't do that with because fundamentally he is a guy, his name is Ted Sapson, and he loves rocks and he collects rocks and he knows everything about rocks. And from his point of view, he doesn't have a tragedy in his life. No, he never had a family. No, he ever achieved anything in the way that you think he was supposed to. He's just a guy who loves rocks. Mm -hmm. And trying to save him is a foolish thing because he just has different expectations from life than you or I have. And you trying to force that on him is the only problem he ever had. Guess what? You're describing a reacher. I know. That's my, that, why do you think I brought it up? No, I mean, seriously. And, and it's, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I've always on and off. We don't talk about this much, but I mean, it really drives me crazy that, that the whole, I mean, other, other people do. There are, there's lots of articles and stuff on this. Why do we want everybody to be the same? Yeah. It's the school system, this drive to make sure that everybody fits into some kind of a system. Yep, that there is this box that everyone has to fit into. Yeah, and that you have to all sort of behave the same way or think the same way. Mm -hmm. That there is a correct yes. way for a human to be. Yeah, and that is part of the world. Yeah. At least Western society, it, there is that drive in Western society. It's not there, I don't think, in all societies. You yeah. just have, you know, so you just, ex there are societies that just accept that there are certain people, right? Mm -hmm. Who just, okay, are over here and they're artists or they're writers or they're this, and they're accepted for who and what they are. And yes, okay, the rest of us go about our own business. Yeah. You know, but the drive to make everybody fit to have everybody under somebody's control is... Mm -hmm. And I'm going to blame this for... Uh, I'm going to blame capitalism for this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yes. Because what it comes down to is, look at our... 
um, our educational system, there's the old joke that if you brought someone from 150 years in the past to the present day, they would be completely blown away and not understand anything except for the public school system. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> like it did 150 years ago. Well, except that they're not allowed to hit their kids anymore. Oh, no, yes, you're right. Yeah. Except for not hitting children. Well, yeah. uh, go to a Christian school. Go to a Christian oh, school. Oh, yeah, go to a Christian school. And then and it still is the 19th century, right? Yeah. And there is a degree to which, and this isn't as true of universities as it is of public schools, but there is a degree to which you can say that schools are the way they are and kids are treated the way they are because they're, these systems exist to get people ready for the workforce. Yeah, oh, yes, in the, yes. Under capitalism, the workforce is supposed to be everyone is an interchangeable cog. Yeah. Right? You just, oh, we've lost a cog? We'll just swap in a new cog. You know? Like, that is that is how they are no, supposed to operate. Cog, let's take this cog out and put in a different Yeah, exactly. Now, university is at least theoretically different. I mean, when we start talking about management degrees, that can be a whole other conversation. But generally, the idea of a university is find a degree that you are passionate, find a thing you're passionate about, get good at it, eventually become good enough that you can not only work in that field, but teach that field to someone else down the line. You know, like that is what university is for. Uh, so you think. I'm saying nominally. <laughs> okay. Back in the but old even, even university has its own issues, right? Even, uh, and, uh, and you want to blame the whole world on Reagan? You can blame Reagan for that one too. Oh, absolutely. You know, right. but we won't go down that road. But again, we're, we're just talking about North America here. Obviously other countries have different relationships with higher education and that's a conversation to be had with those things. Like we're not going to claim to be an expert on all of the world's educational systems. We claim enough expertise on this show. Uh, but what I'm getting at is, right, and sorry for going so far afield <laughs> with this one, but I think it's it's worth pointing out that those expectations that, you know, people start getting when they're kids, they restrict all forms of human expression. Yeah. I, re I really feel like they do. Of course they do. Yeah, I can they, tell you things that I would they say. They have these bubbles that, like, here, they have to create this line where, oh, well, this is the standard deviation of what people can be. And the minute you're outside of it, oh, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble one way or another. Yep. And um, and we can we can just say that all you have to do is the look, look at the history of Canada and its indigenous peoples. Oh, my God. And the weird thing, the, the reason I think this is so relevant for Reacher is he is very much a character who exists outside that paradigm. Yes. He is, because he is a guy who doesn't fit in anywhere who has this completely different way of being, this different way of living. And I think if you want, and the books have never, like the books are about that in a very micro way. But yeah. I just think, and this is where I'm getting, where I'm going. If you want Reacher to be a show on the level of a Breaking Bad, of a Better Call Saul, you know, of a wise guy, you can start making it about that. Well, you can you can take you can take a page out of the Jack Reacher movie playbook of Werner's, yeah. <laughs> you know, Herzog. But yeah, uh, but yeah get I mean, obviously, always get a villain. Get get great villains. You know, tune up the plots so they're really fascinating. 
get great villains. But if you, but I think the thing that would move it to that next level of beyond being great pulp television, which I think it has the potential to be. Yeah. It's not that yet. It has the potential to be great pulp television. But I think the way to get there is by getting into the autism thing and getting into the way the uh, the way the world has a box it needs to put you in and make the show in one level about that and what happens to people who don't have a place in the world as the man has said the world is supposed to look. Well, okay, wait a sec. I But I think that the very fact that they brought that up in the first is just, but I think that, and after reading, again, I go back to reading those two novels and going, oh yeah, so they're doing it anyway without explicitly saying it. And maybe child doesn't understand that that's what he's done. Yeah. I will also say, you know, that he does, Richard does try to explain things in ways that other people will understand, such as saying, yes, but how much does your car cost you? Like somebody said, it, you know, it's expensive to do. I did like that moment. Clothes, his clothes, right? Yeah. That he changes his clothes every three days at the most. Yeah. Okay. And if something happens, then he has to do it sooner. And if yeah. something happens, it might be later. He doesn't like the later. But, you know, and then he says, well, how much do you spend on clothes? How much time do you spend in the morning? Figuring out, yeah. How much of your how day do you, you waste figuring out what address? How much are you spending on gas? How much is car insurance? How much is the mortgage on your house? Oh, isn't it expensive to live in the hotels? How much is your mortgage? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so he does all of those things, Right. So he is trying to sort of explain it to people. Yeah. And of course, he's not going to have the self-awareness to understand that basically, because that's when I started to think about that, that's after the two books, I sat down and got a lot of things. And I said, yeah, and that's why he's on the move all the time is because that's all he's ever known. And that's what he's comfortable with. Yeah. And he's comfortable with it. That's the thing. Like I know so many military children and they are still scarred from all of that. Right down to the fact that having a uniform means that you never have to worry about what you're going to put on in the morning. That's exactly it. Yeah, you never have to think about it. And it's like, they've got pieces of it in the show. And I think if they double down on the character stuff while still making a satisfying pulp adventure, I think they could have really have something interesting here. Well, it's going to be. I think I think it will. I'm waiting for the set. When is the second season out next year? I don't. Yeah, it's going to be next year. We don't. They haven't announced a date yet. Like yeah. I'm sure it's being written right now, mm -hmm. and then they'll go from there. But they haven't announced when it's coming. Well, they've got lots of books to worry on before they then talk. To well, and about. next week we'll talk about you know some books we'd like to see them do. Yeah. Or how or we think that they could easily do. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. But for right now, like fundamentally. I, I think we can both agree that what we're looking at is a show that is good, not great. Not yet. Not yet. But I am confident that it's like with these pieces, with this, maybe not all the writers, maybe they need a couple of other writers, but like with this actor, I feel like they could get there. I think they could get to the Jack Reacher we know and love. And honestly, if they really, if they become aware of the autism stuff in a way that Lee Child isn't, yeah, it ha it would have the potential to even be better than the books. Okay, now let me let me um, because just the fact that he's playing it as autistic yeah. means uh, that they at least have access. 
Like, just the fact that he's playing it as autistic, whether or not they say that word on the show, is already more depth than we have really gotten in most of the Jack Reacher books. Okay. Here's here's the issue. I you do your take, Matt. I know there are a couple of things. I am number one, assuming Tom Cruise doesn't have any problem with this. I am assuming that Lee Child doesn't have any problems. Problem with how it's being done. No, and I will also, and then the third thing I want to say is that Killing Field was his first novel. Four. Killing Floor. Killing Floor. Why do I say Killing Fields? I know Killing why. Fields a popular movie. Like why oh, wouldn't you well, say? It's it's a horrific movie. Document. Yeah. Yeah, you know, docudrama. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. Anyway, um, killing, killing floor, and then, th- then you see that brings up a blues song called "Killing Floor." Okay, oh, yeah. Fine. Well, um, what I wanted, what I wanted to say is, it's his first book. The first book. Did you go back and reread it? No, I've got it here, ready to reread. Okay. Yes, because I think what we're going to find is that always remember that. The first, the first book is never as good as the sub- subsequent. subsequent ones in a series. You're right. Yes. And that may be how they're approaching the TV series as well. So we'll see. You know what? We will. I mean, again, we are already committed to watching as much Jack Reacher as they want to make. That's out of the conversation. I right? watched Tom Cruise in a movie again. As yeah, well. exactly. If he wanted to do another third Jack Reacher movie separate from the things, I'd watch it too. Yeah. But he's probably not going to. No, no, no he's uh, in mind. No. He's he's turned it over, you know, uh, to Alan Richson. And I'm sure Alan Richson, and based on the podcast I listen to, Alan Richson is very happy that he got turned it turned over to him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're we're definitely gonna talk about that. But it's like the fact that they have the room to get into the psychological stuff is what makes me the most excited about the show. And the fact that they just said that they're saying without saying, yeah, Jack Reacher is autistic, right? Jack Reacher canonically on this show on the spectrum. That's just a fact if you watch the show. And the fact that that's their jumping off point, and I know they haven't said it yet. I'm saying implicitly, implicitly. Implicitly, No, implicitly, I, I agree with you that they have started that and I think they, and I would say that they don't want to, they don't want to say it. And yeah. I don't know that it will ever be said because if they ever get to some of these other things, right? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's up to the audience to make up their mind whether there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And I would argue that the show is making a strong case that there isn't. And that, but... you know, and I think that this, this um, is going to be, interesting to watch and i would be really happy if they would just finally go like there's nothing wrong with being eccentric the man has enough money he's always got access to money just because he doesn't want to buy a house and he doesn't want to buy a car and he doesn't want to do there's settle down there's nothing wrong with that yep no and the the only problem you know and that's that's the key the only problem is that you are making one. Yeah. And his parents, you know, and I mean, his parents clearly, I, those flashbacks were really good. They were. Yeah. The relationship with his brother, the relationship with his parents, and his parents knew that he was different, but also knew, basically let him, you know. Yeah. 
have his like I I now you see when I'm talking about it. So now I'm seeing the scenes like the deathbed scene with his mother. Yep. That is your if you want to argue that what we are talking about is a man who is on the spectrum, then what we are that is the key. That is this that is the evidence right there. That is the evidence. He adored his mother. Yep. But he could not, and she knew it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it, he needs his brother's permission to cry. Yeah. Like right there. That's that's the whole ball game. Yeah. He needs his brother's permission to cry. Yeah. And now that his brother is dead, like he's going to have to figure out how to be a person on his own. Yes, that's exactly it. And that is why I think if they can make that into an arc, if they can make that deathbed scene with his mother into an arc, yeah. I think it has the potential to be the best version of Jack Reacher. It's it's good. well because it'll follow the arc of the books. Like the more I'm the more I'm looking Thinking at about it, yeah. Point, no, they're they're doing this. That that is exactly. He lost his brother, who always did his emotional thinking for him. He did the emotional labor for Jack yes. Reacher. Yes, and now, and 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 Jack Reacher is trying to figure out and will be in the books. And as I said, there's the one where he goes back to, well, it's not his hometown, but it was his father's hometown. And I can't remember why he has to go back there. There's a reason. Doesn't matter. That wasn't very interesting. I am definitely going to read this one now. Yeah. I'm, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. All right. So um, that is our take on the first season of Reacher. Um, it's less about the plot because, as you might have heard, the plot is not what interests us about this stuff. And if you haven't noticed that about us by now, I don't know what show you're listening to. <laughs> I think people sometimes just listen to us to see where we're going to, what tangent we're going to go off on. I hope so, because that is most of what we offer. No, it's like, it, what makes these show interesting is what is not what happens in them. It's what they have to say. Yes. It's what they're trying to say and whether they succeed or not. And most interesting what they say without realizing it. Yeah. And that is why, again, it's it's how we got 15 years of Spencer Reed accidentally being the most interesting character on television. Yeah. Like this, this fascinating portrait of a broken man being portrayed as just, no, everything's fine by the show. Yeah. And then every now and then they're like, oh, no, wait. This is, this is screwed up. Yes. And but then denial comes back. Denial sets. Then, yeah, the denial sweeps right back in. No, 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 no. Don't don't look too hard at this. Don't look too hard at this. Don't think about it. Please don't think about how messed up Spencer Reed is. Yeah. No, no, no. We're going to pretend everything's fine and everything will be fine. Yeah. And that's that's what Jack Reacher, that's what this show has a chance to be for Jack Reacher. Yeah. Like the show that actually digs into this stuff. And if they can pull that off, like I said, this this could be the definitive version of Jack Reacher. Like, it could be better than the books. Yeah. And well, I know that might sound crazy, but I feel like, honestly, it could be better than the books if they're willing to dig into what it means that Jack Reacher is this guy. Although, so, as yeah. I say, once you think of that... it's You can well, see it in the books. You can see it in the books. Yeah. Once you think about that... Yeah. But, um, you know, you know, but that's just putting a label on it. He's a, yeah. it's just, yeah. So, and yeah, 
That's it's it's good though. Anyway, the point is we really did like it. Yes. Like we really did like it. It's definitely worth your time, but it's not it's not a next level great piece of work the way the sh- uh the way the movie is, right? It's just not. And it 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 really is at right now, it's just a crowd-pleasing thing. You're going to watch it. You're going to have a good time. And then you're going to forget you watched it. Until the next Reacher comes. Until the next season. Until a year later, you're going to hear that the new Jack Reacher season started. And you're going to think, oh, right. I had a good time with Jack Reacher. I should watch that second season. Yeah. But that is going to be the next time you think about Jack Reacher. Yes, there are no cliffhangers. There are no... no. It's just... And even at the end of all of the books, right? He's yeah. finished his job. And mm-hmm. off he goes to the and next he goes, off he goes to the next thing. And so yeah, and, and it has the chance to be yeah. that next level great though. And that's what I want to see them pull off. Yeah, and I I will we'll be reading the book. So I'll talk yeah. to we'll, we'll talk, talk we'll we'll speak to the book if you were worried that we didn't talk enough about the plot and we didn't talk enough about the book. That's next week's episode. This is just how we feel about it. Yeah. So we'll come back and we'll do the big stuff next week. Okay, and you heard how we feel about Bosch too. <laughs> yeah. Side, side, side. <laughs> side bonus thing. You also know how we feel about Bosch. Yeah, sidebar. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is very much, you know, it, it's very much in that mold. So I don't think it was not germane to bring up Bosch. Well, let me put it this way. Reacher at least leaves you satisfied that at least in that small little part of the world, everything has been settled. Yep. Well, oh, no, it does. But, and again, but, that's why I would say it is a crowd pleaser in a way that, you know, Bosch, Bosch is never, and, could never be a crowd and pleaser. That is, that is the same thing that what we were talking about. I saw the devil versus the man from nowhere. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of the man from nowhere, I mean, it's, it's a rough ride, but you're satisfied at the end of it. And, there's, and oh. at the end, and at the end of I saw the devil is the statement that we are, uh, we are living in a world devoid of hope and meaning. Oh my God. Yep. It's a rough ride. Yep. All right. So that's that. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any uh, fiction along these lines you think we really need to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you were listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review. We will see you back here next time for episode two about the Reacher show and the books generally and where we'd like to see it go. Uh, So that should be a blast. See you back here for that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network. 